friends, it's me, Ishita, and today we're going to be starting the 14th chapter. The name of the chapter is Into the Wood. My father came out of the caravan wearing the old navy blue sweater and the brown cloth cap with the bleak pulled down low over his eyes. Where's the under there, Dad? I asked, seeing the bulge at his waistline. He pulled up his sweater and showed me two thin but very large white cotton sacks. They were bound neat and tidy around his belly. To carry the stuff, he said darkly. Aha! Go and put your new sweater, he said. It's brown, isn't it? Yes, I said. That'll do. But take off those white sneakers and wear your black shoes instead. I went into the caravan and changed my shoes and put on my sweater. When I came out again, my father was standing by the pump, squinting anxiously up the sun, which was now only the width of a man's head above the line of trees along the crest of the ridge on the far side of the valley. I'm ready, Dad. Good boy. Off we go. Have you got the raisins? I asked. Yes, in here, he said, tapping his trouser pocket where you get another bulge was showing. I've put them all in one bag. It was a calm, sunny evening with little wisp of brilliant white clouds hanging motionless in the sky, and the valley was cool and very quiet as the two of us began walking together along the road and that ran between the hills towards Windowwood. The iron thing underneath my father's foot made a noise like a hammer striking a nail each time it hit the road. That is it, Danny. We are not on the way now, he said. By golly, I wish my old dad were coming with us on this one. He had given his right teeth to be there at the moment. Mom, too, I said. Ah, yes. He said, giving a little sigh, your mom would have loved this one. Then he said, your mother was a great one for walking, Danny, and she would always bring something home with her to brighten up the caravan. In summer, it was wildflowers or grasses when the grass was in seed and he could make it absolutely beautiful in a jug of water, especially with some stalks of wheat or barley in between. In the autumn, she would pick branches of leaves, and in winter, it was berries or old man's beard. We kept going. Then he said, how do you feel, Danny? Terrific, I said, and I mean it. Although the snakes were still wiggling to my sock, I could have swooped places with the king of Arabia at that moment. Don't you think they might have dug any more those pits for us to fall into? I asked. Don't you go worrying about the pits, Danny, my father said. I'll be on the lookout for them this time. We shall go very carefully and very slowly once we are in the wood. How dark it will be then, we arrived. Not too dark, he said. Quite light, in fact. Then how do we stop the keepers from seeing us? Ugh, he said. That's the fun of whole thing. That's what is it all about. It's hide and seek. It's the greatest game of hide and seek in the world. You mean we have got guns? Well, that does add a bit of flavor to it. Yes. We didn't talk much after that. As we got closer and closer to the wood, I could see my father becoming more and more twitchy as the excitement began to build up in him. He would get hold of some awful old tune and instead of using the words, he would go... Tummy diddly, um, dum, 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 over and over again. Then he would get hold of another tune and go, pom, piddly, pom, 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 piddly, pom, pom, pom. As he sang, he tried to keep time with the tap tap of his iron foot on the roadway. When he got tired of that, he said to me, I'll tell you something interesting about peace and tanning. The law says that your, the wild words still only belong to you when they are on their own land. Did you know that? I didn't know that, Dad. So if one of Mr. Hazel's pheasants flew over and perched on a filling station, he said, it would belong to us. No one else would be allowed to touch it. You mean if Mr. Hazel had brought it himself as a chick? I said, even if he had bought it and read it in his own world? Absolutely, my father said. Once it flies off its own land, he's lost it. 
unless of course it flies back again it's the same with fish once a trout or salmon has swim out of the stretch of the river into somebody's else you can't very well say hey that's mine i want it back can you of course not i said but i didn't know it was like that with peasants it's the same with all the game my father said hare deer partridge grouse you name it we could have been walking steadily for about an hour and a quarter and we were about to come in the gap in the hedge where the cart track led up to the hill to the big wood where the peasants lived we crossed over the road and went through the gap we walked on up on the cart track and when we re- reached the crest of the hill we could see the woods ahead of us huge and dark with the sun going down behind the ears and little spark of gold shining through no talking nanny once we were inside my son keep very close to me and don't try to go snapping any branches five minutes later we were there the wood skirted the edge of the track on the right hand side with the only hedge between it and us come on my father said in we go he slipped through the hedge of all fours and i followed it was cool and murky inside the wood no sunlight came in at all my father took me by my hand and together we started walking forward between the trees i was very grateful to them for holding my hand i had wanted to take hold of this the moment he entered the wood but i thought he might disapprove my father was very tensed he started picking his feet up high and putting them down gently into the brown leaves he kept his head moving all the time the eyes sweeping slowly from side to side searching for danger i tried to do the same but as soon as i began to see a keeper behind every tree so i gave it up So we went on like this for maybe four or five minutes, going slowly deeper and deeper into the wood. Then a large patch of sky appeared ahead of us in the roof of the forest, and I knew that this must be the clearing. My father had told me that the clearing was the place where the young birds were introduced into the wood in early July, when they were fed and watered and guarded by the keepers, and where many of them stayed from force of habit until the shooting began. There is always plenty of peasants in the clearing, my father had said. And keepers, Dad? Yes, he had said. But there's thick bush all around, and that helps. The clearing was about a hundred yards ahead of us. We stopped behind a big tree while my father let his eyes travel very slowly all around. He was a checking little shadow of each part of the wood within sight. We were going to have crawled the next bit. He whispered, letting go of my hand. Keep close behind me all the time, Danny, and do exactly as I do. If you see me lie flat on my face, you do the same, right? Right, I whispered back. Off we go then. That is it. Father got down on his hand and knees and started crawling. I followed. He moved surprisingly fast on all fours, and I had quite a job to keep up with him. With every second, he would glance back at me to see if I was all right, and each time he did so, he gave me a good nod and a smile. He crawled on and on, and then at last we were kneeling safely behind a big clump of bushes. Right on the edge of clearing, my father was nudging me behind his elbows and pointing through the branches and the pheasants. The place was absolutely stiff with them. There must have been at least two hundred huge birds strutting round among the tree stumps. You see what I mean? He whispered. It was a fantastic sight, a poacher's dream come true. And how close they were! Some of them were not ten paces from where we knelt. The hens were plump and creamy brown. They were so fat that breast feathers almost brushed on the ground as they walked. The cocks were slim and elegant, with long tails and brilliant red patches around the eyes, like star scarlet spectacles. I glanced at my father. His face was transfixed in ecstasy.
The mouth was slightly open and the eyes were sparkling bright as they stared at the peasants. There's a keeper, he said softly. I froze. At first, I didn't even dare to look. Over there, my father whispered. I mustn't move, I told myself. Not even my head. Look carefully, father said, over the other side by the big tree. Slowly, I swiveled my eyeballs in the direction he indicated. When I saw him, Dad, I whispered, don't move now, Danny. Stay well now. Yes, but Dad, it's all right. He can't see us. He crouched close to the ground, watching the keeper. He was the smallest man with a cap on his head and a big double-barreled shotgun under his arm. He never moved. He was like a little post standing there. Should we go? I whispered. The, the keeper's way was shadowed by the peak of the cap, but it seemed to me he was looking straight at us. Should we go, Dad? My father said slowly, never taking his eye from the keeper. He reached into his pocket and brought out a single raisin. He placed it in the palm of his right hand and then quickly, with a little flick of his wrist, he threw the raisin high into the air. I watched it as it was sailing over the bushes and I saw it land within a yard of two hen birds standing beside the old street stump. Both the birds turned their heads sharply and dropped at the raisin. One of them hopped over and made a quick peck at the ground that had no swing. I looked at the keeper. He hadn't moved. I could feel a trickle of cold sweat running down one side of my forehead and across my cheek. I didn't dare lift a hand to wipe it away. My father threw a second raisin into the clearing, then a third, then a fourth, and a fifth. It takes guts to do that, I thought. Terrific guts. If I had been alone, I would have never stayed there for a second, but my father was in sort of a poacher's trance. For him, that was it. This was the moment of danger, the biggest thrill of all. He kept on throwing the raisins into the clearing, swiftly, silently, one at a time. Flick went his west and went up the raisins high over the bushes to land among the pieces. Then all at once I saw Keeper turn away his head to inspect the wood behind him. My father saw it too. Quick as a flash, he pulled the bag of raisins out of his pocket and tipped the whole lot of the palm into his right hand. That, I whispered, don't! With a great sweep of the arm, he flung the entire handful way of the print clearing. It fell with a soft little platter like raindrops on dry leaves, and every single peasant in the place must have heard them fall. There was a flurry of wings and rushed to find the treasure. The keepers had flickered round as though they were spying inside the neck. The birds were still pecking away madly at the raisins. The keeper took a toe-peel forward and a moment I thought he was going to investigate. Then he stopped. His face came up and his began traveling slowly around the edge. Lie down flat, my father said. Stay here. Don't move an inch. I flattened my body against the ground and pressed one of the sides into the brown leaves. The soil below the leaves had a pure, pungent smell like beer. Out of one eye, I saw my father raise his head just a tiny bit to watch the keeper. He kept watching him. Don't you love this? He whispered to me. I didn't dare answer him. We lathered for what seemed like a hundred years. As I heard my father panics over, follow me, Danny, but be extra careful. He's still there and keep low all the time. We started crawling away quickly on his hands and knees. I went after him. I kept thinking of the keeper was somewhere behind us. I was very conscious of that keeper and I was also very conscious of my own backside and how it was sticking up in the air for all to see. I could understand now what Poacher's Bottom was a fairly common complaint in this business. We went along on our hands and knees for about a hundred yards. Now run, my father said. We got to our feet and ran. A few minutes later, we came through out the hedge into a lovely open safety out of the car track. It went marvelously, my father said, breathing heavily. Didn't it go absolutely marvelously? 
His father was scarlet and going to trim. Did the keeper see us? I asked, not on your life, he said. And in a few minutes, the sun will be going down and the birds will be all flying up to roost and the keeper will be slooping off home to his supper. That we have got to do is back in again and help ourselves. We'll be picking them off the grounds like pebbles. He sat down on the grassy bank below the hedge. I sat down close to him. If you put an arm on my shoulder and give me a you did well, Danny, he said. I'm right proud of you. So, guys, this was all about chapter number 14. I hope you like it. They have made the plan and went successfully well. Now we see the next chapter, what happens next. I'll see you in the next chapter. Take care. Bye-bye.